to Meeting of the Minds. Today we're here with Tom Gant, former tennis professional, golf coach over at Nutley High School, um, golf private instructor. You name it, he's got it. He's the man. We're talking mindset today. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Gene. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's take it from the top. What are so, what are some of your athletes doing at this time to improve? What should they be doing? Are they getting back to you? How are we looking? Uh, well, you know, a lot of I, I work mainly with high school students at the moment, and they're uh, a bit overwhelmed with some of their academics. But um, what we're doing with the with the varsity golf team is mainly through video. Um, I send them instructional videos. They send me videos back. Uh, I've done a lot of video analysis of their swings. Uh, we've also done some work. Um, it's a good, good time to actually work on um, different parts of the game because you're not out on the golf course worrying about a score. So we're making some swing changes, also working on some fitness things as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, golf lends itself to working on the mental aspects of the game as well. So I try to share some different activities in, in all those areas. Nice, nice. Yeah, mentally, what do you have in the team do? Well, you listen, it, this, this is going to be a, a cheap plug, but, but you know, th this guy here, we, we, we do some work in, in, from this guy. Have you ever heard of him? Gene Zanetti, never heard of him. Yeah. yeah Who is yeah. that bum? Uh, uh, he's got some great ideas. He's a good thinker and, and a positive thinker. Um, also, you may have heard of a Dr. Rotella. I have. He's a little, little more golf specific. There's, there's a few others that uh, have some, some good ideas and so forth. But, but mainly, I think at this time, when uh, we're not so result-oriented, we can really focus on the process and um and i think by doing that we're able to also uh build some confidence um so I'm, i've been pretty excited about learning a little bit more about how to communicate those messages to the team definitely definitely and we've talked a lot in the past coach about um you know you you improving your own golf game with this and how so i mean and how important the mental side of sports are whether it's tennis, whether it's golf, whatever, it really doesn't make a difference. They're life lessons. What was your mindset like back when you were competing? And then talk us through how you were able to now how you're communicating a lot of those lessons to your athletes. Um, <clears throat> well, like like we've discussed so many times, you ask any athlete or any coach and they'll tell you that, you know, their particular sport is 75 percent, 90 percent mental and then when we look at their practice schedules, how they're mapped out, there's very little attention spent to the mental side of it. So since meeting you, I've actually tried to make more of a, uh, a mathematical balance, if you will, uh, with, with myself. That's when I first came to you uh, in my own tournament play and then with, with my players as well. So um, and again, in, in this period where you're not so result oriented, I think you can, you know, do some reading, do some reflection, do some exercises that that'll help you think a bit better. Um, for for golfers, you know, that 
the idea is is there's golf with your buddies on Saturday, right. and you might go shoot 75 on Saturday with your buddies, and then there's tournament golf, and they're kind of light years away. So it's it's getting that playing with your buddies in tournament golf to look very similar, you know, performance-wise. Um, right. In some of the uh, activities, um, what what I try to do a lot with with the kids, and what I try to do with myself is to develop routines. Yes. So that the same the same thing I'm doing on Saturday morning with my buddies is the same thing I'm doing, you know, on Thursday morning at the tournament site. Right. How important is that to practice the way you want to play, play the way you want to practice, so it's consistent all the way through? Um, I, I think. I think, uh, I mean, this, this is more your area, but what I've been really trying to, to um, focus in on is making practice create, have some more of that pressure that's in tournament play, try to infuse that into practice more. Right. How do you build that? How do you, so how do you build that in? I guess building in adversity, making it seem more like raising the stakes Right. A lot of times we're way too loose in practice and we're way too uptight in, in competition. Exactly. So it's 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 putting that pressure on in practice, whether it be, you know, in tennis, we used to do things like, you know, instead of playing with three tennis balls, you only rally with one and you'd be surprised. You don't want to chase the ball a lot. So you're getting more balls in play. Um, so creating pressure in different ways. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, famous example, his father kind of making noises in his back swing and, and that sort of thing. He says, look, if you're going to play in front of thousands of people, you're going to be distracted and, and that sort of thing, whatever. But anything in, in practice, we try to make it more competitive um, and, um, you know, maybe take some clubs out of the bag to make it more challenging, hitting different shots, putting players you know, behind a tree, um, you know, giving them, you know, difficult short shots that they would have to um, face under tournament conditions and, again, try to recreate that. Absolutely. And I think also a consistent tempo the whole time. I, I know that, you know, we were working with different uh, golf teams, even in college. The coaches were complaining that their tempo is totally different in practice than in the tournament. How important is that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, a good analogy would be in tennis. How many times have you seen someone win the first set six zero and they seem to be in command and that tempo gets too fast. And now the next thing you know, they're down two or three zero three one in the second because they've lost that tempo, lost that rhythm to playing. So, you know, extremely important, extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. We see that all the time. It's, it's a big deal. And being able to, they'll, they'll do a lot better in practice, maybe great on the range, but they're not bringing it to the tee. So it's it's just something that, like you said, it's being more mathematical with it, making sure they're putting the time in. We're not saying, obviously, it's certainly not 100% mental, but if we're saying it's 70%, we want to make sure we're, we're matching our the amount of time we're putting in. So that is, that is big. What are some of the other big uh, mental struggles that you see the athletes making? Well, I think that... Um... Uh, another phrase I like to use is train it and trust it. Uh, yes. I think, you know, if I've hit a thousand seven irons, when I get out into a tournament, 
I, I trust that I'm going to hit the shot that I've hit, you know, hundreds of times. So I think some players think, oh, they hit two or three good seven irons or whatever it might be, and they're ready to go. Um, so I think, I think doing the work, the answers in the dirt, you know, working it out, and then you've hit that shot a hundred times. And, and then when you get out onto the course, a lot of what I do also is um, course management. Uh, it's one thing to have the shots. Another, it's another thing to actually play uh, the course as it's laid out in front of you. That's right. Talk a little bit more about that, that course management. That's an important concept. Uh, well, you know, we've just been able to get out recently. Uh, the course is in New Jersey. So the other day I was out playing and uh, I actually uh, videoed me playing an entire par four. What my thoughts were on the tee, how the hole was set up, where we wanted to attack it, how we wanted to play it, and just talk them through that par four. Then a couple holes later, played a par three into the wind and, you know, club selection, where we want to stand, the type of shot we want to hit. So, um, you know, to me, that's the beautiful thing about golf is it, it's changing all the time. So it's, it's so challenging. You can play the same course every day and play it differently almost every day. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you're saying these things, my mind's jumping back and forth, the different things you're saying. I love I it. I love- I can- I, I love the training and trusting. Um, I, did I get that from um, Bob Rattler? Did I get that from Dennis Waitley? Chances are they're both saying it. I'm not sure, but that is a very, very important point. I remember when I heard it, it was basically maybe, maybe I think it was Rattler. I think it was golf is not a game of perfect because I remember listening to that on a tape player back when I was competing in wrestling, and he said thir- he said seventy percent of the shots you take should be with the trusting mentality. Because that trust is what you're going to want to really have down because that's what you're competing with. And then 30% with the training mentality, meaning thinking about mechanics and the little technical pieces. Uh, Yes. You know, I don't know. I don't think Rotella actually coined the phrase. I think it's been around even longer than that. But I think he kind of took it up maybe a a level. First, that was the first time I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, and, and perfectionism back to that tape was called golf is not a game of perfect. Talk about that with athletes. Do you see some of them too perfectionistic while others maybe not perfectionistic enough? <laughs> what are your uh, thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, I definitely do have some thoughts on it. And, and, um, you know, the book that I showed you here, golf's a game of confidence. Uh, the game of perfect is, is over in the bookshelf over, over there. Um, I think my experience most younger athletes are at one end of the spectrum in the other. They have, they have no confidence. They don't feel they can pull off the shot. They don't feel they can make the putt. Uh, you know, I'm just not that good. I'm not ready coach. I don't have the tools, that sort of thing. And then there's some players on the other end of the spectrum that I would say tend to lean toward overconfidence. They feel that, Oh, they can accomplish anything, but at times they haven't put in the work. So they can't pull it off. So it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword there. Um, you know, um, my feeling is, as far as confidence goes, is that it doesn't guarantee success. Thinking positively doesn't guarantee success, but it puts you in a position where you will, can be successful. And conversely, thinking negatively is almost a guarantee for failure. So 
Uh, if you remember um, that anecdote that Rotella used in the book you mentioned, the boy, last name Anderson, playing in a state basketball championship, best player on the team, comes out, misses his first eight shots. He's really struggling. Game gets down to the wire. He's having a horrible night. Coach calls the play for someone else, and he goes, no, coach, I've got this. And, of course, as the story goes, he makes the shot. I think he was from Virginia, and his team wins the state tournament. Afterwards, they ask the boy, you know, why did you want the ball at the end? You were playing horribly, shooting horribly. He goes, because I know I'm a 50% shooter from the field. So every time I missed a shot, I figured I was that much closer to making the next one. So, you know, trying to instill that sort of mentality is, is what I'm trying to do with my players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that, that's great. And it's, I think back to Aristotle, he spoke about the golden mean. You don't want to be too far to one side or too far to the other side. Virtue lies being in the middle. And of course, at some points in time, you have to shift your weight one way or the other, right? We tell our athletes a lot, you, you want to be simultaneously your own best friend and harshest critic. And just like you said, coach, that people tend to be more on one side rather than the other. And it's knowing how to shift that weight, finding that balance. Maybe even the better word is that that right optimal point for you in that moment. Exactly. I, um, you know, I'm glad you touched on that. And I like the, the, the phrase optimal point because, you know, there's this there's this point that we're trying to find, like you said, in the middle. We know we know there we're playing in a tournament. And it has some level of importance or at least our attention. But how do you get over a three foot putt and say to yourself, it doesn't really matter. I, I you know, I, I just going to put the best stroke on it that I can. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and that's, you know, that's really at the heart of it, that uh, trying to find that optimal point there. It is. Absolutely. And, and how do you see at the different levels? Because you've seen now from high school, college, professional level in two sports. Right. What, what seems to be the differences that you see as the athletes mature? Because you're always going to deal with different mental struggles at different points in the career. Um, I think I think um, the foundation that the athlete has built um, earlier on and built upon will serve them much better as they get older and going up levels because the biggest difference I feel is, is the speed of the game as you progress, whether it's tennis or basketball or football, whatever it might be, the, the decision-making has to be that much quicker, has to be that much more acute. Um, you go to a professional golf tournament and you look on the range Everyone hits the ball great. You know, why isn't Gene winning? Why isn't Tom winning? Why isn't Bob winning? You know, so what separates those few guys from those other guys? And I think, you know, they, they have that optimal point, if you will. They, and they have it more often. So um, the further up you go in, in a lot of sports, speed is important and the quality of of play of player is tremendous. So there's a fine line between, you know, success and, and maybe, you know, second place or third place or something in that nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and I know we're hitting on a lot of this already, but what are some of your personal philosophies and lessons that you that you really try to hone in on instilling for your kids? I know we already, we already hit on some of this already. Yeah, no, I got you. Um, well, you know, in in golf, um, it really is an individual sport. We're in a team setting and there's a team score at the end of a high school match or a college match, but it's really an individual sport. So yeah. the, the beauty of it is I might be going out and playing with genes on the opposing team, but I really try to focus in on playing your game, trying to execute what you're able to do and the results will take care of themselves. Uh, I, you know, if Gene bombs one 300 yards, you know, I can't try to swing out of my shoes and hit it 300 yards. I know I'm a 250, 260 guy. I play position golf. Uh, you know, it's a, I don't make mistakes. You know, I, that's how I play. So that, that would be like one of the main things that I try to get my kids to do is to develop their own game and then play your own game. Have a, have a game plan, a strategy going out to a, playing a course and try not to deviate from that when someone else is, you know, making a birdie or doing something great or doing something poorly, whatever it might be, just kind of focus on what you're doing. Yep. That's, that's why we came up with the whole predator and prey analogy, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's so simple to say, but it's not easy to internalize when all we've been thinking about our whole life is outcomes comparing to other people. What do other people think about me? Mm -hmm. So this is a big challenge. I think another great analogy would be like, say, like in in like a swimming or or a, a, a track event where it's a timed event. You know, if my best time in whatever the event is, is, a, you know, one minute, eight seconds and I, you know, come in at one minute, two seconds and I finish second to, to Gene Gene, the running machine. I mean, I, you know, I feel like that's got to be a success for me. You know, right. so I can all, I, I really try to and I've done that in all, everything I've coached in, and participated in is try to just prepare my teams the best that we can. And then whatever happens on the scoreboard, you know, all, all we could do is prepare the best we can. That's all we could do. Right. And it seems like as the levels go up or even at a young age, we the best competitors, they love to win, they hate to lose, but they're not defining themselves by the outcomes relative to other people. I remember hearing from Louis Simmons from West Side Barbell. I don't even know if I made mention of it in my book, but he said that he could tell the powerlifters that they have the strongest gym in the world, West Side. And he said he could tell a good powerlifter from a from an average one when they ask when he asks how they did in their competition, if they speak in terms of what place they took, he says that's not really it. He wants to know did they PR or not? Did they set a personal record? Right. That's what you're saying there. Exactly. And, and you know, it, as you were talking, it reminds me, again, with golf, if you watch closely at a professional tournament, there's two or three guys playing in a group or two or three women playing in a group. When another player is hitting, the other players don't watch. Right. They don't watch. They, they don't care where you hit the ball. They're doing what they're doing. And at the end of the day, they're trying to shoot their best score, play their best golf, get the best possible shot at that moment. And they, you know, if someone, you know, pulls it out from 60 yards or something, hey, nice shot, but they're, they're not paying attention. So I think that's a, a good, a good um, way to think about it, a good way to kind of visualize 
being in your own world, so to speak, and, and enjoying the process instead of, like you said, being so result oriented. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, Tom, but one of the things that always popped into, into my head watching the Olympics, watching a lot of times football, a lot of the athletes, they don't have that same kind of mentality where, let's say, gymnastics or figure skating. A lot of times their teammates and their opponents are watching their opponents or their teammates compete and even cheering them on. And what that does to you mentally and you could feel it in your stomach and, you know, they do well or they don't do well. Your stomach goes up and down. The wheels are really turning in your head. My thought is I would think in those kind of sports, the same thing you're saying. Why? Why watch? If I was if I was training a kicker in football, I don't think I'd have them really watch the game because does that really matter what the score is? Where's the ball on the field? How many yards? Kick the ball. Who cares if you're winning, losing or, or tied? Uh, that's, that's a good point. Why, why watch the game? Right. right. <laughs> it sounds crazy because it makes it seem like you're a bad teammate, but you're helping the team by not focusing on the team. Right. I mean, a kicker should probably, I've never thought about it, but a kicker in football should probably develop a routine just like a free throw shooter in, in basketball. And if they're, if the, you know, I used to have my basketball players write on a three by five card, their, their routine. So if, if, if Tommy, you know, had his routine, he bounces it three times, deep breath and goes, and that's what he's doing in the first quarter. Well, if right. the game's on the line in the fourth quarter and the official okay. hands the ball and where's the three bounces, where's the deep, Oh, timeout. Let's, let's, you know, regroup here. So yeah, a kicker should probably not pay attention to the game at all. <laughs> Which it's maybe sounds crazy, but I, I think if, you know, we're dealing with we're dealing with humans. We're dealing with people. Human nature is human nature. If it's going to make a, an athlete in one sport nervous, it's going to make an athlete in another sport nervous. Doesn't make a difference that if it's UFC or bowling, they're people. They're people. So if it's going to make one person nervous, it's probably going to make the other person nervous. Absolutely. I don't know. That's <laughs> no, good stuff, Tom. Uh, and then how about? As you were playing competitively at a high level, you've probably played in some big-time stadiums, competed against some top people. What was that like? How did you, how did you keep your nerves in check and confidence? Um, truth is, is um, uh, I love I love the more people, the better. Uh, so so um, maybe maybe it's being the youngest of five, and maybe I didn't get enough attention as a child or something. But I, I love that. So. You know, even even for the weekend golfer who has the first tee jitters or whatever, the more people around the tee, the better. The more people watching a tennis match, uh, it, you know, and then once the ball's coming at you at 100 miles an hour, you, you, you that everything goes away anyway. That all goes away. So. Where, where are some of the, um, the best environments you played or some of the top people you've competed against? Uh, well, it, you know, in, in tennis, I, I didn't play. It, it, I was mediocre at best, to tell you the truth. Um, played some decent players in, in college, also a, a few afterward. But um, I was kind of like maybe a double A, uh, like baseball level in, in tennis. Um, but for me, it was an opportunity to uh, put off getting a real job for a while. And then my first real job was a head tennis professional at a club in upstate New York. So nice. I, nice. Now, I, now I teach physical education as well. So some will say I still haven't had a real job yet. But uh, but no, I mean, tennis for me was 
was more about, uh, uh, about the fitness aspect of it, about pushing myself to just kind of be the, the best I could be. Um, you know, um, had some decent results in, in some tournaments, um, one in Philadelphia, one in Atlantic city, uh, one somewhere up in upstate New York, but, um, uh, uh, but never quite cracked through to, you know, that big time sort of big money tennis. That's, that's still awesome. And yeah, same, same thing here. I'm doing basically everything I possibly can to avoid a real job. So it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, when you love what to do, when you love what you do, it's not work. Not, not a job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So how do we find more information about you, about your team? Are there websites? I don't know, YouTube pages, social media, where can we bring people to you? Well, we, we, uh, we use a, a program called VNN, V as in Victor, N as in Nancy, uh, that a lot of our high school teams are on. Um, now that we're in this situation where we haven't been in school, you know, it's probably not even up right now, but that's what we do for the teams. Um, for, for me personally, uh, I, could, uh, I have an Instagram at Tom Grant Golf. Uh, email Tom Grant golf, just like it sounds spelled uh, at Gmail. Um, and um, again, I also work with the first T program of Metropolitan New York out of uh, Weequake Park in Newark, which is a fantastic program. And, um, you know, anytime anyone wants to stop by Weequake, we have a great private range there. Um, I would love to take a look at their swing. Awesome. We'll make sure we link that on the show notes, on the YouTube page. So you thank, thank you very much, Tom Grant. Excellent, great stuff. Tennis, golf, mindset, you name it, we, we spoke about it. Great stuff, we'd love to have you again. Talk soon. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Be well. Be well. You too. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one on one free trial consultation. That's the one on one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one on one attention, whether it's strength training whether it's technique or whether it's mindset. One-on-one -on -one is always the best. Thanks for staying with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.